welcome to Forever Canon, the podcast where we talk about what is your problem? What are I you just, shaking your head about? I'm laughing. Don't. <laughs> For no reason. The podcast where we talk about the deep aching rooted pain of unrealized potential love. Tim. <laughs> I'm Justin. And I'm Tim. I don't know what's wrong with me. I don't know what's happening. Every week, every week it gets more ridiculous. Yeah. Uh, I'm Justin, you're Tim. Yes, I am. And this week on Forever <laughs> Canon, uh, we're going to hit up chapters uh, 9 through 12. Fantastic. Of Fate of the Jedi, book 5, Allies, written by Christy Golden, who once again delivers with the connective details to the previous books. <laughs> That I yep. wanted so bad in the last entry in the series. Mm. You're making another face. <laughs> what no, would you no, no. What? no, this is just my face of, oh, I got to buy this next book. <laughs> <laughs> I thought I had it. I don't. Uh, you got a minute. I got time. You got a minute. Well, you might not. Who knows? The world is in sh- a shamble. Mm-hmm. See, that's the improper, only improper way to say that. I think you can say shambles. I think you can't say a shambles. But in fact, it is not a singular shamble. No. <laughs> but first, bum, bum, bum. Previously on Forever Canon. Talon is perfect. 3PO gets a new language. Dog kids hate slavery, but they love a good Sith. Slave trade runs deep. The freedom flight is the fight. Vestara wins Ben's trust. The kids go to jail. Those are last week's headlines. That mm-hmm. I butchered, and you may never know, or you may. <laughs> but that was last week. This week, we start well it, with chapter nine in jail. As I said, the kids go to jail on Clatooine. Ben and Vistara start arguing over whose dad is cooler, <laughs> as you do yeah. when you're a teenager, I guess. You chat about a. A, a dead Jedi mom and regular Sith beatings from your dad, but it's all love. The beatings, mm-hmm. right? To shape you into perfection so that you can be reach your most successful potential possible. You know? Yeah. It's okay to beat your kids if they turn out successful. <laughs> that's a, that's a I good, mean, the, it's the, the ends moral. justify the means at a certain point. I'll, I'm sorry to anybody who can hear me fidgeting with my mic right now. Yeah. <laughs> Chose to not go swears, but that's, it's probably annoying anyways. Yeah, no, don't, don't that's do not that. how that's that, not, that how is not that. the message with the well, it's the message of the stars pointing no. out, but it's all love. We're told. And maybe also we're told by Ben, maybe these Sith don't need perfection as much as they say. Cause Ben points out to Vistara. Hey, wait a second. You're talking all this talk about the reason why the Sith are great is because we'll, we're willing to beat the things we love into perfection to be, to reach their potential, to, to hit the highest heights that they possibly can and achieve whatever glory and honor they can for the Sith. So that's why we do it all together for together. Right. And then Ben's like, well, point of order. (laughs) If perfection is so important, 
Why did your father marry a non-force sensitive whom your culture treats it mm-hmm. treats as a lower class? Mm-hmm. Why would your father do that if perfection is so important? Perfection being definitely wanting to pass down your force sensitive traits, not wanting your child to be a halfway second class citizen in your culture. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? These are these are the inherent arguments implicit in what she is saying when she's backing up, oh, my dad beats the shit out of me because he loves me. <laughs> yeah. We love perfection. It's fine. I love it too. I appreciate it. You know, and Ben's like, well, maybe not. Huh? This did, reason. Do you ever think about this? And she she hasn't, right? No. That like that blows her mind. I don't know. Are they all about perfection or are they all about, as the Sith are, the easiest path to success at any given time, which is beat your kids when they're <laughs> doing the wrong thing. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And it's I, a lot easier than I think maybe stopping, that explaining, talking when it all started coaching, they were all about that perfect Sith line, maybe for survival. Yeah. Because they were, stranded crashies on an unknown planet mm-hmm. right for thousands of years yeah now they're there's they still want to be the best and brightest and the most attractive and the strongest and whatever but it is but yeah totally a it's a little culture. more relaxed yeah yeah i don't know and it's a good point though you know if it's so important to your culture then why do things like that actually happen well the in the uh the understood answer is why did your dad pick a non-force sensitive plus equals mm-hmm. love yeah that's this that's gonna be the answer right they're sitting in this jail cell having chit chat and they end up opening up to each other right here in jail or was it more mind games definitely wasn't on Ben's part no because he was like at one point okay this didn't this didn't make sense the timing of this okay he goes blah 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 after my mom died and then he stops himself and goes oh i shouldn't say anything more about that then he thinks i'm gonna let myself open up to her it's i'm gonna it's fine we're in jail whatever whatever his (laughs) reasoning was right and then the only thing that he says to tag on after that is me and my dad have been spending a lot of time together. Yeah. <laughs> like, well, you already said that it's too late to stop yourself from saying the yeah. thing. You've already said the secret. But like they had ship. They had access to records and files mm-hmm. and what? It's not intergalactic news that your mom passed away. Yeah. It Sorry. Should, it, it, is. It, it definitely it is. is. They had a big state funeral for her so i don't know i guess maybe what it was he stopping himself from saying the journey that they are on to retrace retracing jason solo steps or something yeah i didn't pick that up uh in the subtext but you know or maybe it was just his own check i could have missed it on himself being like uh oh i'm saying oh, too many things yeah even. just general just yeah, a general gotcha. thing maybe i gotcha yeah that makes a lot of sense cut to luke like his father before him hates sand. It was one of the <laughs> dumbest, most angsty, immature lines of the prequels where Anakin's all like, I hate sand. 
it's rough, it's coarse, it gets everywhere. But when he's, I think episode two, when him and Padme are flirting in the meadow and all that bullshit, mm-hmm. jumping around with a heffalump or whatever the fuck they're up to out there. But I just thought this was kind of a funny carry through. Even that, you know, Anakin didn't really live very much of his life on Tatooine. Luke got to double the age at least. He didn't bounce till he was eighteen. Anakin was. You know, child soldier kidnapped at nine. Yeah. Out of slavery, to be fair. Yeah. yeah. But <laughs> into a way worse destiny, personally, and for the entire galaxy. Yes. Yeah. He was saved, in quotations. <laughs> As so many religions will tell you they're doing to you. Anyways, Luke Skywalker <laughs> hates sand. He hasn't been to Tatooine in many years. Here's my question I thought of with the context and the backdrop of this whole kind of book being uh, uprisings over slavery mm-hmm. and the, and how that is obviously the wrong thing to do, have slavery. It, that's bad. Mm-hmm. Why have you never been back to Tatooine? Luke Skywalker, 70-year-old Grandmaster of the Jedi. Okay, no, I shouldn't say never been back there. I've already misspoken. Cut back to when I was like, Never been back there. Haven't been back there in years. The question is, why have you never ended the known gangster government that is your home world that trades in illegal... Everything? (laughs) Yes, all manner of illicit things, people, animals, places, objects... Why, why not? You know for sure what Tatooine is all about. Why have you never before cared to stomp out the injustice that is the whole sector? Yeah. How are the huts controlling hut space too powerful for the Jedi to disband this mafia? They just have so much money. I think they could get to anybody. Yeah, but the Jedi are like the most insular, secluded society in this galaxy, other yeah. than this lost tribe. Like they have, they are their own resources. You know what I mean? And like, if you wanted to, you probably could begin a war on slavery in mm-hmm. hunt space. Yeah, that'd be a good place to start. You knew about this Klaatuinian 25,000-year-old treaty. Everybody does. Yep. You know they're treated like shit. You lived on Tatooine. You know all the shit that's up there. But he's just like, I don't go there because I hate sand. I didn't even want to come down to this planet. Because sand. (laughs) So, you know. Huts, slaves. We'll see if now's the time. He's not bothered about any of that. Right now, he's bothered by Gavar Kai striding through the sand, using the force to help him. Luke says it's a violation. Huts, slavery, corruption, gangsters, murder, sand, using the force willy-nilly. That's number one on the top of a violation. Yeah. He literally set foot on, on a planet that has 25,000 years of slavery. And he goes, A, fuck sand. B, this guy is using magic improperly. Yeah. 
He, he, can you get a grip? Be doing can you it get that a way. grip on some real, <laughs> some real actual issue? Sure. What that was? That was almost shocking when I saw that. I was just like, especially after the backdrop of being like, "Hey, okay, we've had this scene on Tatooine where we chased around, not chased around. We watched an eleven-year-old girl chase around a freedom flighter fighter because mm-hmm. slavery is such a rampant." problem we had a whole focus of a scene of a chapter or, or the half a chapter yeah it was like half a chapter whatever it was we had an out of main characters scene pointing out how terrible the corruption and the mistreatment of people uh, on Tatooine is and then he sets down on this planet that is riddled with slavery by the Huts, who is the same species that controls tattooing. Mm-hmm. And his first two important thoughts are, Sand sucks. This wizard is rude. Yep. Guy, get a grip. Yeah, he's using he's using magic for the wrong things. How dare you cut a pair with the force, father? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, it's a violation. Dude... Get your head out of your ass. Because, I don't know, it was just such such meaningless complaints that this guy has. Yeah, that, that seemed a little... It's like obtuse. I don't know. Yeah, it's, unnecessary, for sure. It's stupid. <laughs> Anyways, the dads meet up, and they argue about which child's fault it is more that they are in jail, as you do. Wouldn't be my child's fault. It would be your child's fault, you know. Yeah. That's just the way it goes. And then they head into the jail to find, in fact, that it's all good. Their quick action actually aided in defeating the would-be defiler. I imagine you're proud of them. Their litter should be astonishing. Excuse me? (laughs) Excuse me, ma'am, what? Their litter? What did you just say, dog lady? Yeah. yeah. (laughs) Right? They're dog people. They have litters. They do have litters. Now... Hilarious comment, but also hilarious reaction as the two dads start tripping (laughs) over themselves and each other to be the first one and the strongest, more vehement denier of the two of them being in a relationship. And this this receptionist at the jail says, that's not what it looks like to me. And they walk them down to the cell and we find Vistara cracking up at Ben's jokes about a rancor. Yeah. So the Rancor says, ed, 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 yeah. and she, it ate, I ate this teenage girl screams with laughter in an empty jail. Yeah. Well, I guess it's all good, isn't it? <laughs> I don't know, man. I thought this little, okay. As much as it was like stupid, Ben, not Ben, Luke's uh, complaints. Mm-hmm. They were a half a paragraph. And then the rest of this was. Very much uh, father of the bride or like parenthood type of comedy where like these two families are coming together because their children are getting married and these dads are going to butt heads. <laughs> yeah. This fall, this Christmas, <laughs> yeah. you know, you get it. Yeah. But it was, uh, it was, I get, I don't know. It, it was so cliche. But set in the backdrop of the science fiction, <laughs> science fantasy universe, it was 
hilarious. When yeah. you picture the fact that the one dude is dressed in like extravagant, thick black robes. He's dressed all to the nines because they're show offs. These set. Yeah. The other guy's wearing like he's 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 wrapped. He's just wrapped in brown. Yeah. Garbage. Probably uh, blends in well <laughs> with the sand I mean? outside. And, and it's like it's just. These two completely contrasting families coming together for Christmas dinner because mm-hmm. their kids are getting married type of thing. Yeah. Oh, fuck. It hit, and it just hit me so right. And it, it was really funny. Yeah. And it's it's be like you said, with the whole backdrop of science fiction and Star Wars, it's the same story that we've seen in a million different movies. But it's so brand new because yeah, of this backdrop in a, in a, a unique, special way. Right. Yeah. yeah. And. Obviously, Ben and Vistara are crushing on each other. Mm-hmm. You know? They picked each other. There was some other mention of choosing, choosing, choosing at some point in this chapter. And it made me think of Ship. And how Ship chose Ben on Zyost. Mm-hmm. And Ship chose Vestara on Cash. That is a very ethereal, tenuous connection, <laughs> yeah. but I like it. I got goosebumps <laughs> just for nothing. Just out of the out of the idea of like, what if ship working on an unconscious, higher level will of the force type of thing, like mm-hmm. fate? Yeah. What if ship in some way or another has... I don't know. What if the plan is for these two to like do a thing? Yeah. And, and, and I, <laughs> I don't mean it, that's the plan in the book. I mean, like that's the plan for the fate like, that controls this universe yeah. in its reality. It's the galaxy's plan. Like the forces will that these two be connected. And ship is so interesting because he's a, a training vessel for teenagers. Yep. Children. For little baby Sith. He's also a, a, such a deep repository of information. In the way that he reacted to both of them, Ben and Vistara, and that's going back to the last series now for Ben, mm-hmm. Vistara earlier in this series, what, the way that he reacted to each one of them was that they had amazing potential of power. Yeah. And just for him to have singled out each one of them occurred to me as maybe significant when I was reading this chapter. And I don't remember why, but I had to come back and write it right at the bottom of the notes for the <laughs> chapter. Because I was like, don't forget, he picked them both. Yeah, I, I wouldn't have. I don't know. It's just an that. interesting, uh, potentially meaningless connection. Hopefully meaningful, because that'd be cool. I know. Chapter 10. Ben and Vistara aren't the only arrested people in this jail. It's time to get Dion Stad out of his freeze grenade trapped and dog guarded hole in the ground. Yeah, he's stuck in a well. This prison is not made for Jedi. An ancient well, in fact, Tim, because mm. everything in this book series is ancient. From the mines underneath Kessel to the Society of the Keldor, the Secret Society. To the Yang Ti lost out in their own piece of space. Everything is ancient and on a 
a larger time scale than we're used to, maybe. Yeah, not so much in years, but in millennia. Usually, as far back as we've talked about, given the last series, is back to the, uh, I always want to say Rakatan, <laughs> the Rakatan Empire, the mm-hmm. whatever they were that built the things. Yeah, which was... What did they do? The, like, yeah. They made the Maw and they made Centerpoint. And that was about 25,000 years ago. And they used to do it. Yeah. Right. And everything across this book series is ancient, 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 ancient. You know, whatever those giant 1960s computers were in the basement of Kessel. Ancient. Whatever this beam of purple light that took Luke beyond shadows. All those, the font of knowledge and the well of power and the mirror of your face. Ancient, 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 ancient. Everything. Mm-hmm. It's not a scale that we normally talk about with these Star Wars books. They're they're so hyper-focused on the here and now. Yeah. And that, you know, that's, you see that in the movies as well. Episode four. The first movie comes out, and you don't spend a whole hell of a lot of time talking about how we got this empire. We needed three more whole movies to go back in time and hyper-focus on that story, right? Mm -hmm. It's just, here's the bad guy, here's the conflict, here's how we're going to solve it in this shorter time frame. Yeah, this whatever, two, three years. The closest that they come in in these last two book series, anyways, is they mention... Uh, in the last ones, they mentioned Centerpoint, how old it is. Yeah. No one really knows how to work And it so it's like breadcrumb, breadcrumbs <laughs> being dropped yep. all across the last series leading us to now. Even with, like, it sticks, it's the one thing that sticks out to me from the last series. That one restaurant that was moth-themed. Yeah. And I was like, I know we're going there. Tim doesn't know we're going there, but I know we're going there. Yeah, you mentioned it to me. I'm not sure if it was on the podcast or after. Oh, yeah, we've talked about it both. <laughs> we talked about it at length after. But I just, I, it's a big time scale to think about when you're now addressing how everything came to be. And we start at this time scale right away with this Lost Tribe of the Sith, man. Like, they are coming out of ancient history Mm -hmm. into the present. And how many other things are doing that? Abeloth, she's been described as ancient, coming now into the present. Mm -hmm. What else is out there, ancient or otherwise, that's going to thrust itself now into the present? I'm scared because everything's yeah. ancient. It's it's all unknowable. It's all yeah. It's all. What is all that? All what new. is that pile of garbage they're studying out there? Those ang those pangolin. Yeah. The recorder box wearing. Yeah, the, the the liquors. Anyways, back to the jail. Okay, back to Klaatuine. Focus. All right. All right. Despite everything being ancient, even this fountain of the ancients that they have here on Klaatuine, mm-hmm. just to you know, one more time, point that out. Luke makes an interesting note here to me. Okay. He says, there's a conspicuous lack of force sensitives and also general weaponry. 
The huts giveth, the huts taketh away. Mm-hmm. Obviously, they're controlling the weapons, of course, oh, that the, the local militia and population have. So do they also have all the magic puppies? <laughs> Those are the ones when they take the ones that are... Those are the ones that they take. That they are take. the four sensitives. Yeah. Right? They got. They might have their own whole god friggin' magic school for canine wizards. Dog warts! <laughs> You're a wizard, Snoopy. Huh? How else does he talk to that bird? I like dog wards. Anyway, they 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 take Dion out of the ancient well. Mm-hmm. Everything is ancient. <laughs> we cut to Vistara's dad being an awfully shitty, creepy psychopath. Yeah. 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 He's first of all furious that she helped Ben save Dion. Why didn't you kill Ben Skywalker when you had the chance? And she's like, I thought you wanted me to play along and gain mm. his confidence. And, uh, you know, the deeper, the well ancient, the sweeter, the water. <laughs> <laughs> okay. You get what I'm saying. The deeper you get embedded in your spy position, the better information you're going to get out. So she says to her dad, why are you, uh, what? I thought that's what, I thought this is what we were doing. She says, it's part of the plan. Get close to him plan. So he chills out. And then he asks her if she has, quote, Mm -hmm. bedded him, which grosses Vistara out a bit and me a lot. Yep. Because I don't want to accept the reality of this, I guess. Yeah, and, and we've discussed, we don't necessarily need that. So, so, but even still, okay, so last time we talked about, I talked about, last book, how I thought it was kind of cool that they're doing this femme fatale honeypot twist with her actually liking this guy mm-hmm. and being interested in him. And sooner or later, you might have to double cross him and kill him instead of just, you know, the cold, heartless pretend I'm going to use you and then i shoot you Mm -hmm. this is a more interesting twist where she's actually interested in him and okay so thinking back to let's say nazi murder and femme fatales somebody is maybe telling you or asking you to use your sex to make a murder Mm mm-hmm that conversation happens, has happened in reality of history. Yes. I don't want to think about it or hear it between a dad and his daughter in this Star Wars book because I yeah. just don't, I want to ignore that slice of reality. I just yeah. do. I just don't. I, just, I didn't want this. No. You know, I know you're on the same page, but just, I think we do have to acknowledge the fact that like, never mind ask and, and, and whatever the amount of the forcing of these things across history is again, another thing I just, I, in my privileged position, like to be willfully ignorant of in my, what is this fiction? Yes. <laughs> Cause you can't ignore this shit in real life. No, no, not so at all. When her dad says, have you banged him yet? And then tells her not to, unless she's going to get something really good out of it. I'm just like, man, that's too real for me. Yeah, and that's, 
the writing was good with a star going no yeah well she did and, and and wouldn't you like as a 16 year old who let's assume i don't know if if she has ever bedded a man as her father would say but like if you have or haven't you're 16 and your dad's like hey did you bang that guy yet yeah oh dad no <laughs> god please why are we having this conversation Whoa, exactly well the reason why we're having this conversation is because we're trying to murder the skywalkers now because um, that's what he was mad about was that she didn't try to kill Ben. But I thought they were like prizes. I guess we've now reached the point of claiming that prize. You know, we've the Sith have them. Yeah. Or kind of. Do they? Don't we need to get to the Maw? Isn't that part of the thing? That's part of the deal, but maybe they're willing to maybe I gonna... <laughs> take, the, take half the prize. Maybe they switch, just straight up don't understand Luke Skywalker. And they're like... But he'll still take us to the maw. <laughs> the sun accidentally, wink, dies. I don't know. Anyways, back to the point. I think he'd go all murder machine on all of them. I think it would be a short-lived re-emergence in the galaxy. Thousands of them are not. Yeah. I don't know. That's how I would write it. <laughs> all this talk of him being old and stuff, man. Never let that guy die. I swear to God. Oh, my God. Jeez, oh my, oh my. Oh my force, back to the point. Gavar Kai, being a creep, but he does say one interesting thing here. Okay. Which is, if Ben knows that, or if Ben, if Luke knows that Ben likes Vistara, why is he so unsupportive of it? Why does he not think Vistara can be turned, saved, Mm -hmm. to the light side? Gavar Kai's ridiculous, arrogant assumption is because she is the only one who could never be turned to the light side by the Skywalkers, right? So he wouldn't even bother. He can feel it. He can tell she's too strongly tied to the dark. Don't even bother. I doubt that. Mm -hmm. Arrogant, cocky assumption. But why doesn't he think Vestara can be turned and saved? One argument I thought of is that every other Sith he's encountered has turned to the dark side at some point in their life, largely, and not been raised in it from birth. Yeah. That this uh, that's a new thing. Mm-hmm. This whole that's new. This two thousand years of thousands of Sith growing up evil or in the dark side. Yeah. That's brand new. He also he hasn't brought up brought it up one way or the other either he has thought it to himself that um i think in a, in roundabout i don't think he said it directly but i i got the vibe i got this vibe from luke's thoughts watching ben and vistara where don't even think about it because it ain't worth it you'll never turn her you'll never save her it, the love this budding romance mm-hmm. is never going to have a happy ending but why Allow me to offer some arguments why Luke is being a dick. All right. Did he not turn the Emperor's hand because he loved her? He saved Mara Jade Skywalker from the dark side, turned her to the light, made her happy. 
happier than she was with herself. Like, m- not made her, gave her that opportunity. Mm-hmm. Like, you know what I mean? Instead of killing her. Yep. Helped her turn herself around to the light side of the force. Later, they grew together and got married and had a family together and had a wonderful life together for many years. Is the only reason why Luke is thinking this because he's too close to his own wife's death? Like, it hurts. Oh, yeah. Like, no matter what, no matter what, even if you turn her or you don't, it's you're not it's not going to be good in the end or I don't know. That's a stretch. I don't get that vibe from him. No. But hey, if you can save Mara Jade Skywalker and Ben has already saved Tahiri with no romantic love between the two of them even though she got creepy on her cousin's orders, his mm-hmm. cousin's orders, excuse me. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what's better. <laughs> the star is getting creepy on her dad's orders but also out of genuine interest and, and romance, right? Mm-hmm. So why does Luke not think Vistara can be saved? Yeah. It's got to be this, one of those two things or a combination of both, right? This new kind of Sith has been born and raised and bred in it, and that's different. That's than, very different. But is it? Because wasn't Mara Jade Skywalker taken as a child? Because that's what they did. They scooped up all the magic puppies. Yeah. That's what the Empire was doing. And training them from a young age, just like the Jedi do. So, And how many Jedi have been fallen to the dark side, turned to the dark side, even though they've been bred, raised, and indoctrinated in the society of the light side of the Force? Many of them... Also fall and turn the other way. Yeah. So for what reason? It's not Gavar Kai's reason of you're the best. For what reason? Has Luke not entertained the thought of maybe we save this girl that my son is coming to like? Or the only thing I can think of is because of recent events with Jason and his fall, having Ben being too close to Vistara would maybe flip Ben instead. That's really, that is really his concern in all of his inner monologue, inner dialogue is she's going to turn him. Mm -hmm. So I guess maybe he's just too focused on his own son. He's too most. Yep. Words on losing his son Mm -hmm. to see the potential gains of turning Vistara to the light side. I think he does explicitly even say it to Ben at one earlier chapter at some point when they have her in the shadow or something. And he, Luke says something to along the lines of forget it. it turning her is not going to be part of the plan, you know, cause they're like, we have her in close proximity with us and away from the Sith. Mm-hmm. I think it came up at one point. It might've, but why? Right at the beginning but of this why? book. But why? It's not what Gavar Kai is saying. But I do believe it's because she's special. Mm-hmm. For some reason, again, like the force, the fate of Will is intervening. And he doesn't see the possibility of saving her. Even though she's a child, dude. Yeah. And your son was just brought back from the brink of the dark side. And then he brought back someone else from the brink of the dark side. Like, it's another domino falling in that direction man like how does 
How is it not a pursuit? Do as I grandmaster say, not as I grandmaster do. Cut to the weirdest cut to ever. Perry Needmo wants his news team to start covering slavery across the galaxy. (laughs) And he wants Madi Vont, the reporter that we saw down in the Coruscant underworld, talking about how bad life is here on Coruscant, underneath your own feet. He wants her across the galaxy to be his location reporter, telling everybody, turns out, slavery's bad too. Telling everybody that, like it's not already known. Yeah, well, apparently it's not cared about yeah it's Let's not televised that. it's not it's not in the public zeitgeist of giving a shit yeah we meet perry needmo's bff writer we meet his producer a couple of people get named and i'm worried <laughs> yeah that they're all gonna die i'm worried about needmo he was he was just this guy was han's favorite reporter Favorite guy, and then now he's here and talking. Yeah, right? Oh, God, he came. He stepped out. Oh, my God, he broke the fourth wall. Mm -hmm. He stepped through the TV screen. (laughs) We did. We stepped through the TV screen and into the newsroom, and then we turned around in Perry Needmo's head, and we're talking to all of his crew and stuff. (laughs) Yeah. Ooh. That's weird. Uh, Especially weird. very weird. Because we Googled what he looked like, too. Yeah. He's weird looking. He's a Chevin. Yeah. I think at one point they call him a Chev. There's a lot of typos in this book, by the way. There was, I think there was some word like commerce with two O's. Dion Stad got printed with the double D at the end one time. Mm-hmm. There's been like whatever number of typos, and I don't care. That's not anybody's problem. It's not a big deal. Just interesting. I like... Catching details that other people miss, I guess, yeah, right? Yeah. That's kind of the whole function of this podcast. <laughs> hey, let's go read our favorite kind of books and look at all the details. Yeah, let's break them down minutely. So anyways, Perry Needmo is a thing, and mm-hmm. I'm worried. <laughs> but then I thought to myself, okay, this is a weird, this is a weird cut. It must serve a, a purpose. Other than, obviously, we're drawing attention to the fact that Madi Vaunt is going to be a part of of the cutscenes now. Mm -hmm. A part of the, what's that called? When you do a whole lot of of vignettes in a row. Mm -hmm. The, um... Hmm. I don't know. Yeah. She's going to be in the clip show. (laughs) That's not what I want. But uh, other than the fact of drawing our attention to that and drawing our attention more deeply to the fact that slavery is now... Being a t- a paid attention to in the universe. Yeah. What else is this doing? Other than they make he, fun of he, Javis Tear. Yeah, and he talks about how he's slightly changing his own format, which is, I don't know, is that a is that a is that a metaphor? Yeah, because his people were concerned that they were that he was going to become too. He was going to become too like biased. Like Javis Tear is a sellout type of thing. Yeah, and they didn't want. And Perry Nemo's all about. Yeah. I, I need a little positivity in my news. There's got to be something for people to care about. And so, I don't know. Like, why is this Han's favorite news show? Why are we now breaking the fourth wall of it? And looking forward to what this news show is going to be doing. I don't quite know. I'm not smart enough to 
figure out this 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 Ouija board. The only thing I can think of is another thing they brought up was that he wants one of the planets for her to go to to be his home world. Right. Which and is rife with slavery. It's yeah, but it's like as many planets are. It's like nice slavery. They kind of like this huts and dogs thing. Yeah, but where like, they're like, hey, uh, even better than this, like because well, yeah. the the people on uh, Vinsoth is what is the name of the planet. Can like they're encouraged to go into the arts and to like express themselves and all this kind of stuff. And as soon as you just said into the arts, I caught the obvious reflection that we're missing. Sith and Kashiri. Mm-hmm. They are living the same stratified culture. Yes, where they are. one sits above the other, and on Vinsoth especially, it's so close. Uh, of a of a of a reflection where we like them we love them we maybe even marry them but they are second class citizens and don't forget it yeah okay that's why this is becoming a theme is because it's going to be integral haha <laughs> it's not integral okay guys no don't no. almost say that it's going to be integral. I like integral. Integral? I know, me too, because it's got to have integrity when you say it. Yeah. Anyways, it's going to be central. <laughs> yes. Yes. It's definitely going to be a talking point. To part of, uh, part of Vistara's personality and ingrained uh, culture that she's going to have to overcome to bond with Ben. Mm-hmm. And it's reflected in the last chapter in the jail where she tells him, my mom and dad, my mom's not force sensitive. And he says, well, I guess perfection isn't everything. And we're going to get, I'm, this is all just coming to me now. None of this is on the page, bro. You said the arts thing. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, now I think I got something. And I think that's what it is. It's, it's We're going to see a lot of instances and degrees of this relationship. The huts and their slaves, severe difference. Between the Chev and the Chevin. Yeah. The Chevin and the Chev. That sounds less confusing. <laughs> Slightly. But, you know, there's there's going to be degrees of of inherent racism and unfairness inbred in all these different cultures and these worlds that we're going to be going to. We're going to see whatever the consequences are of confronting that. And that is all a reflection of Vistara's character confronting that in herself and Ben as well. And you, and because I, so, I thought that it oh, was going uh it was going to go the other way and like it wasn't going to show about her character and that it was going right. to show how bad things are getting even on like planets like that because even these dog people are getting kind of fed up with it. The kids was like I don't want to go. Right. And is that is that telling us what a bad job the Galactic Alliance is doing cuz it's not just Dala no. She might be the leader, but the Galactic Alliance has been failing to snuff out slavery for 40 years. Yeah. Or to do much about it at all across all kinds of places. Freed the Wookiees, and thousands of other planets are like, hey, what the fuck? <laughs> yeah. Hey, hey, how about me? Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And it's just going to be like on Vinsoth where they're all they're all cool and they're cool with the, how things are working. But it when they finally get a news crew there, it's going to be anarchy. 
Yeah, it could. That could be. That could be part of the messaging. Part of the part of the subtlety of the or mess, uh, image, where like things are not what they seem on the surface, and mm-hmm. and the te- the tensions that we well that, we're we're seeing that on Klaatuine. The tensions that we pretend don't exist, very much do, and over time, they fester. And become stronger from within, like the ancient fountain. Mm-hmm. Wink, wink, wink. And it's coming up now, maybe that, uh, oh. Abeloth. Thank you. Yep. Now that she's out and about, Her, she's, she has more influence yeah, out in the she's galaxy. She's stirring right up now. trouble. Maybe. Maybe she is just much, much like the Yuzhan Vong it fomented insurrection across the galaxy before they launched their invasion. Mm-hmm. Maybe she is behind the sentiment of rising up and overthrowing your leash holders yeah you're not oppressor. To, shit jesus god not <laughs> to be too much on the fucking dog metaphor <laughs> yeah that i mean we're obviously we're, we're seeing that we're seeing that over and over again what i didn't want to forget back to mm-hmm. reflecting this in people's characters vistara isn't the only one who grew up in a prejudiced culture ben skywalker hates the Sith and everything they stand for and everything they are except for this girl yep it's again the drop of light in the darkness right right she is the drop of light in the darkness of the entire Sith culture she'll be the one that's different right yeah we're told over and over and over and over and over again she is different either because Luke thinks he can't save her or because her dad thinks she's amazing or because they hug or whatever Ship thinks she's special. Everybody, yeah. yeah. I do. I'm pretty sure. <laughs> yeah. And so, you know, he is going to have to face this same sto- sort of learned hatred. Mm-hmm. Because guess who taught him to hate the Sith? The Jedi. Yeah. Before he ever, ever had an experience with the Sith, which was Jason two years ago. Yeah. Because they didn't exist. And that just cemented his already... So think about that. They're not even there for 40 years. Well, who was the last Sith? Grandpa. Yeah. Right? Him and Palpatine and Palpatine... Uh, Lumaya. Yeah. she. You know, sort of, right? There's been a couple, but no major threat reason to hate them. No. I bet you he doesn't even hate the Yuzhan Vong who invaded his galaxy when he was a child. Yeah, because he was two. But even living in the aftermath of that, Mm -hmm. living in that experience, I bet you he hates the Sith way more. Absolutely. Because he was taught it by his religion. Mm Mm-hmm. That's not really the point. The point is that he's going to have to overcome his prejudices whether he likes it or not, I think is the theme of all these uprisings. Whether you like it or not, Gavar Kai is going to talk to his daughter about banging Ben Skywalker. Whether you like it or not. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, Things got to change whether you want them to or not. There you go, ladies and gentlemen. There's your 15-minute <laughs> tangent that is not in the notes and always brings us to a longer oh god episode that I want to be on oh it is on too I'm still recording all right all right all right punch yeah, the yeah. mouse punch in the mouse chapter eleven we get fired up Whew. that was two chapters 
48 minutes in. We're only halfway there. Oh, shit. We are living on a court in Coruscant. Yes. The trial of Tahiri Vela, day one. Kong Kong. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. The fancy old lawyer knows the prosecution lawyer. His name is Sol Dekon. And he doesn't like the fancy old lawyer. <laughs> Air, uh, what's his name? Aramuth uh, Buatu. Yeah. Or Aramuth. Aramuth, yeah. The judge is Mavari Zudan. Mavari Zudan, the judge who exiled Luke Skywalker. Things are stacking up in different directions mm-hmm. at the beginning of this trial. Also, Han and Leia are here for moral support in the crowd. Of the of the audience of the uh, of the courtroom. Yeah, they give her a little nod. The in laws are here. Yep. And then we cut to, which is disappointing. We cut from the setting up the courtroom. Tahiri and her lawyer walk in. The other lawyer walks in. He comes over, and like you can picture it because it's every procedural courtroom drama you've ever seen in your life. A desk on the left, a desk on the right. People walk over here. The other. Uh, the other, uh, oh my God, lawyer, <laughs> prosecutor, <laughs> the other lawyer comes over to talk to your lawyer and they hate each other and they banter. And then the judge comes in, the bailiff says, all rise and sit the fuck down. The judge is here and the judge is like, court is now in session. And then we cut to Tahiri in her cell being frazzled after a long first day of court. And I'm like, man. I really wanted that law and order courtroom scene. It would have been nice for some of that procedure. That, and if my memory serves me correctly, we do get, as the trial goes on, you spend more time in the, yeah, court, in the courtroom so. as, you know, information and important details are coming out and stuff. But, oh my God, the setup for it was like, it was perfect. And uh, the, the the opening the doors and they walk in together and he's whispering in her ear. He's, he's holding her back through the crowd of reporters. Yeah. Like, it was all just very visually familiar. Mm-hmm. And then when they cut to commercial and they were like, court's over. We're in the jail cell. I'm like, come, come. <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I wanted it, man. I wanted it, but I didn't know it at the time, but I wanted this even more mm-hmm. because back in her cell after a rough day to hear he has visitors. It's Han and Leia, of course, as they were there for the trial all day, it would appear. And, oh boy, maybe because I was so <laughs> worried about missing out on Law and Order time, I was absolutely caught off guard and completely unprepared for the scene. Mm-hmm. And here we go. Han and Leia deliver the message that Luke and Ben received in the Lake of Apparitions... The message from Anakin Solo that he said, tell Tahiri that I still love her. And then Leia is wiping tears away from Tahiri's eyes and me too. And Tahiri starts sobbing and me too. And I have no idea how I'm going to get through the NJO books. Tim? (laughs) Yep. That is the highest concentration of character deaths in any series I've ever seen in my life, other than maybe Game of Thrones. I haven't read those, though. Song of Ice and Fire. I don't know how I'm going to handle those books, man, but that's 2022's problem. <laughs> yes, it is. 
I just this what a scene this was. The writing of Tahiri's inner dialogue when mm-hmm. Han and Leia are like bit by bit explaining to her why they're here. Who who Luke and Ben saw and what the message is. She she's as Han and Leia are explaining and then telling her, she Tahiri's thinking to herself, like, is he at peace? That's what she cares about first. Is Anakin at peace? And then does he remember me? Mm-hmm. And I'm like, oh, yeah, that's bad enough. And she, and then she's like, there will never be another Jedi like him, because no, there won't, because he was the best. I like, I love Jason, but he might have been the best of the three. Mm-hmm. And then Han and Leia tell her he still loves you. He said it himself as a ghost from the afterlife. And Tahiri thinks, if Luke Skywalker thinks this is real enough to tell me, then it's real to me. Yeah. Because that's the power of the Grand Master. He shapes your reality. But I was fucking like, I was fighting off tears and I had to like walk out of the room. I had to get up. I had to walk. I had to walk away from this page. It was, it was just really well written. The tension between... Tahiri never gets visitors and she's excited, but also inquisitive. Yeah. A little nervous about it too. And then Han and Leia walk in the door and she's like, why? And then Han and Leia say Luke and Ben saw ghosts and right away Tahiri starts breaking apart inside Mm -hmm. and it's, Oh, so well written. And all of this ends up being, Exactly the closure that Tahiri needs. Yeah, it's a big transformative moment for her. It is. It's not the trips back in time where she can't affect anything and she gets to maybe have a kiss for a moment with Jason standing by, guiding her way through time. Stealing moments, stealing moments that you'll never actually have and will never actually exist. Just like we talked about with Ben getting to talk to his mom when it happened. Mm -hmm. Anakin comes from the afterlife. To tell Tahiri, it's okay, I love you. And it's exactly what she needed. And it's she des- she describes it as feeling jagged inner broken parts, you know, wounds healing instantly inside of her. She's changing yeah. and feeling different and better. Yeah, the big like cold knot that she's had starts to melt away, that kind of stuff. Yeah, like... Uh, and that wasn't the part of it that got me. It was the Han and Leia delivering this message on behalf of their decades, decade gone mm-hmm. son and telling it to somebody who you two years ago had a near fight to the death with when she tried to arrest you under your other son's orders, who is also now deceased. And you're coming, you're coming to tell your possible once upon a time daughter-in-law that your dead son still loves her and it's exactly what she always needed mm-hmm. oh it feels so good and hurts so bad as john cougar mellencamp once said make it hurt so good sometimes love don't feel like it should you make it Heart so good. I don't know why I'm singing so much of that song. Probably going to get sued by Johnny Coop. <laughs> but man, 
I was I was emotionally upset by this yeah bit by this chapter, and so I thought on the next level because that's what I'm trying to do with this podcast. Mm-hmm. Why does this hurt so much? Why does this hurt me, the reader, so much? And now I'm going to go on a rant. Yeah. And I'm going to try not to cry the whole time. All right. I think. Okay. It's because of all of the promise and potential of what was supposed to be. That's the loss. Mm -hmm. What, What you should have had. What they should have had. It's an unrealized possibility. It's heavy. And it's... It, I mean, what might have been, right, is like the most, it's got to be the most relatable human thing across any aspect of your life and history. What might have been, what could have been. Imagine these extremes, right? Yeah. And it's this this unfulfilled promise and, and, and lost potential is all over Star Wars. Yeah. From... And I mean specifically romantic relationships. Okay. From Anakin and Padme, who had bits and pieces of a life together, and then right when they were about to have a family, she died and he died, essentially. Mm-hmm. Luke and Mara, who went through all these ups and downs of, of, of wanting to kill each other and stuff and fighting over the dark side, light side only to then overcome that come together, suffer while building a family. And this child is born and they got about 10. Ben was 14 mm-hmm. and they had been together. I don't know. X number of years before that, you know, they had that much of a lifetime together before the rest of that promise and potential is shut off and it's it's over and it's gone forever. Same thing with Jason and Tenelka. Yeah. They got hours together over the course of their love. You know, stolen away after the academy anyways. Once she had to go off and be the queen, you pop in and see her, you love each other, you have a baby that you never get to see. Mm-hmm. And then you kidnap her and you die. And all of that potential, all of that unrealized love yeah. is again lost to the universe. To and Anakin, as we've said many times, you know, mm-hmm. that love never got to blossom as much because they were 12 yeah, <laughs> or 14 or whatever when he died. Yeah. But it was, seemed faded, and it seemed like it had so much road in front of it, so much potential. Even Han and Leia are part of this as well. With each each of these, you know, couples getting different degrees and different amounts of a life together with so much loss and unrealized potential. For Han and Leia, that being, they got... To be together for all this for 60 years, 
have a family, raise a family, lose your best friend, lose two of your children in the most horrific, fucking horrendous ways possible. Yeah. So much of the romance of Star Wars and, you know, in conflict fiction Mm -hmm. is this unspoken truth to the reader that nobody is really going to live forever to a happy ending. Yeah. It's not it. You're going to have these burnt ends, the cut threads where it never picks up again. Mara's dead. Anakin's dead. Yeah. Jason's dead. They don't come back. They might talk to you from a bog for a minute, but they don't come back and love you Mm -hmm. and raise your family. You know, you don't, get another shot at all that potential. And when you really think about, you know, Jason, it's so sad. All the potential that he had, Anakin Skywalker, not solo, Mm -hmm. all the potential that he had for good, for good. Mm -hmm. Anakin got to live up to that to a point, right? He, you know, he's the poster boy for sacrificing yourself to do the right thing. You know, it's just so much loss in a in a more psychologically unreachable way. Yeah. It's less tenable. It's less concrete mm-hmm. because it is literally possibility. Yeah. And that, now we have Jane and Jag, right? Mm-hmm. These... War path, long suffering, star crossed crushers who now get to sit in each other's lap and stuff. But for how long? Uh, yeah, until what happens? Who's gonna Jag almost died in the beginning of the book? Of the sorry, the beginning and end of the last book. Yeah. At the dinner and they tried to gas him in his, his pretend the, TIE fighter. Yeah, in his simulator. You know what I mean? How how it's like this underlying inevitability of loss. Mm. And Jaina kind of voices that in her thoughts sometimes where like me and Jag are together, but how long is it going to last? You know, truly how long do you have to live once you are Skywalker blood and fall in love? Yeah. And that's minutes and that's years in her in her prophecy even exactly you'll never know peace never you'll never have that you'll never have stability in a family you know yeah I, this is me expounding yeah, yeah you said the more uh literal quote yeah but now we have jag and jaina and more freshly ben and vistara mm-hmm. and these are just echoes of the same thing over and over you know how how much of of this love potential are you going to be able to realize before one of you ends up a burnt end <laughs> i didn't like that no <laughs> that's that's a real harsh way of uh, finishing but, off know, that thought they've got, they've got their own conflicted relationships now and how much love can they achieve before they run out of expanded universe pages? Yeah. Chapter 12. 
<laughs> Jedi Temple on Coruscant. I need to shut the fuck up this episode. No, no, that's good. <sighs> I got nowhere to be. Kenneth Hamner has an assistant. Connie Asari. According to the Jedi uh, uh, throughout the temple, how dare he? Yeah, because he made one of his one of the uh, apprentices an assistant. Yeah. Also, because he shouldn't even need an assistant, Tim. Yeah, no, he shouldn't. Everybody thinks he sucks at his job, even Han Solo. <laughs> I don't know why he gets a vote. He's not a Jedi. But uh, was it is Han and uh, Kip were the big the yeah, big ones, the big denouncers of it. I mean, it's been it's been the whole the whole way through ever since Kenth was announced as Luke as his replacement. Everybody said why, and then all the way through, he's been bumbling, fumbling, sucking at the job. Yeah, and you know, here here we are. Even Han Solo will tell you. Anyways, it's update time. Five more Jedi have gone imposter mode. Tahiri's trial is off to a good start. Dahl is going to be mad. The usual. Mm-hmm. Oh, P.S. Hamner's new assistant is young, right? Yes. Any concerns about flipping imposter mode? Yeah, a little bit. Interesting. But they seem to know that they're from the shelter. The shelter, not. yeah. Yeah. So maybe he did a little bit of vetting on her and <laughs> see where she was. Maybe, but this is also right when Silgal is thinking that the snapping is accelerating. Mm-hmm. So that's fine. Yeah, that's that's normal. Five in the last week or something. Another update. Freedom flight versus slavery is brought up again yep. in this chapter. Uh, also, Dala calls. Mm-hmm. She does. <laughs> she calls Hamner, and I picture him on his Bluetooth, like, leaning back in his chair. And she cranks up the intensity 1,000%. Yep. Saying, quote, Gimme, gimme, crazy Jedi, or you'll be sorry. Yeah. Roughly. A little bit of paraphrasing, but almost word for word. But why? Weren't we just... I guess because more have gone crazy, and now they're holding... She knows about one more. Yes. The other four are secret. Yeah. But, like, is that why she's so mad? Is she mad because the trial's going not in her favor? Is she mad because the public... Is not going in her favor. Why is she mad right now? I think she just wants to be loved. Or maybe more. Aboleth. Aboleth? Aboleth. Yeah, you'll get there. Abeleth. Haven't seen her name printed too many times yeah. in the last two books, so don't worry I've about it. I've been reading a lot of D&D, and there's a monster called an Aboleth. Yeah, the uh, Abel... Aboleth. Aboleth, yes. Yeah. Excuse me. <laughs> I know, the first time I saw that in the book, I had already read these. The first time I saw that in the monster manual, I was like, interesting. <laughs> Um, anyways, what are we talking about? Oh, Dala being yeah, pissed. Yeah, why? Yeah, why? Because remember even the last scene that we saw with her when, when, when Dorvin had a pocket in his pocket, pocket, had a pocket. And she's like, I'll give him a monster or something. Yeah. That, but that whole scene during the whole beginning of it, she was like, Hey, does everybody think I'm a bad guy? <laughs> <laughs> hey, should I do things different? And then, yeah, at the end, she's like, I'll give him a fucking reason yeah. to cry. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, I'll like show him the monster in the nineties. I'll give you something to cry about. So that's that was the phone call. Cut to yeah. Oh, uh, nope. her best line. Her best line. You was. Are you sure you speak for the Jedi? He's like, yeah. Make sure you speak for the Jedi families as well. She threatens the families. Yeah, even. that's that. That I, was the big crank up. There you go. <laughs> Cut to yes. Jaina being summoned out of. Tahiri's trial, where she is. Little sister-in-law support. Mm-hmm. 
being summoned out of the trial for an emergency Jedi master meeting. And she's like, why again? I'm not a master, but if they call the sword must be because somebody wants to use the sword. And, and why, when there's one scheduled just a couple hours from now, anyway, Ooh, sounds like an emergency. And the meeting starts with Kent saying brace for attack (laughs) leadership. (laughs) And then he tells everybody she threatened your families. (laughs) Again, (laughs) leadership. Everybody of course stays very calm because they're Jedi masters. Tim, prove me wrong. <laughs> yeah. Let's let's see. The uh the Barabel Saba, yeah, she breaks a chair. She breaks a chair with her <laughs> with her, with her tail, tail as everybody starts yelling and screaming yeah. all sorts of things at each other, except for one. One it was, Kip was, Durin, maybe. was it Kip or yeah. was it um the other K name? Not yeah. Kenth. Not Kenth. There's one Cap. more. Uh Kyle. Kyle, Kyle Katarn. I think it was Kip. Either way. Kip. Either way, everybody starts hysterically yelling and chair smashing and Kent Hamner essentially tells Jaina to shut up. Yeah. And so she slips out the door quietly determined to do something without council approval to stop this madness. Go Jaina. Yes. Resolute Jaina is what I want. Yes. That's what I've been complaining about for the first three books. Why does she not care very much about what's happening? Well, Kent Hamner told her to shut up. <laughs> and now she's back to being the angriest Jedi. But what will she do? Who will help her? Will Tahiri be found guilty? Will Ben and Vistara reach their love potential? Can dogs prove slavery is bad? <laughs> Find out next week. The cats will do it. <laughs> we cover... Fate of the Jedi, Book 5, Allies, Chapters 13 through 16. Uh, This episode is about a half an hour longer than I wanted it to be. I'm Justin. I'm Tim. Who let the dogs out? We covered some good stuff. For once. Yeah. Boom, (laughs) self-roasted. Kenny Rogers Chicken. For any comments and questions, you can hit us up at forevercanonpodcast at gmail.com. Forever Canon Podcast is a Jay Plazer production. Catch us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitch, Twitter, and YouTube at Jay Plazer. Check us out.